Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the lead pastor here. And we're in the middle of a series called Here is the Church. And we've been looking at uh, what the church is and what is it that we're supposed to actually uh, be doing. And today's message is called Directives. And we're going to be focusing on God's will and His work. That is, what does He want accomplished in the world? And then how does He want to use us as individuals and us together as a church to accomplish His will and His work wherever that we find ourselves. Anything significant in life, uh, you need plans and you need a direction. Uh, The good news for us, if you've decided to follow Christ through His Word, God has given you uh, directions. In a way, He's given you these these marching orders, and that's what we're going to focus on today. Anything significant needs that plan. It needs that direction. You'll see a picture here of a... Uh, coordinated effort of D-Day, what the American forces and what the British forces were designing to do. How are we going to take the beach together? And there was a coordinated effort to make sure that everyone was on the same page. Uh, For anything significant, this needs to happen. We actually need to know what direction we need to be moving in. You see this in work, you see this in family life, and more importantly, in the church, it's the same. We need to know how can we work together to accomplish God's will and His work. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. It's called the Kingdom Prime Directives. What are the things of God's kingdom that we need to primarily focus on in our life? I first heard this uh, from my mentor, one of my mentors, Harold Bullock, who actually spoke uh, last year here at Ridgeview. He came to visit us. They're like our grandparent church. He was the founder of Hope Church in Fort Worth, Texas. You'll see a picture of him and his wife, Deborah, with my wife and I. As they came to Ridgeview to support us, they've been a big supporter of us. But I first heard Harold speak of these Kingdom Prime Directives over 20 years ago when I was in college. And he was talking about four things, these directions that God has given us that we need to make sure that we focus on. And I was about 20 years old at the time, trying to figure out what my life was going to be about, had big dreams and kind of ambitions and visions of what my life would be. As Harold began to speak and he shared these prime directives, I got this sense that God said, Alex, you need to pay attention to this. You need to listen to what he's saying. And over 20 years ago, I've heard that for the first time. And and since then, these prime directives have been huge in my life. They've helped me ask the question, what am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to be doing it? A question that I'm sure you ask as well. We get these places in life where we're always wondering, am I on the right track? What is it that I should be giving myself to, my energy to, like sense of, is my life making a difference? Am I making my life count? And so through these directives, these kingdom prime directives, I hope to give you a sense of, again, God's work and his will and how we can be a part of it. So let's dig in. Here's the first one, the great commission. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you might've heard of that, uh, the great commission. It's the sense, again, God's battle plan, his marching orders uh, for us. And it's actually built on a few scriptures in uh, the New Testament that Jesus has given to us that give these like commissions. But I think the one that most of us have heard before uh, and the main one people talk about is something found in Matthew 28. And I want to set this up before I read it. Basically, Jesus had you know lived his life. He had this ministry. He had disciples and he was crucified on the cross Uh, All of his followers thought, okay, his plans and everything he had said is now, it's gone. But he died, but he didn't stay dead. He he rose again, and he appeared to his followers, and he appeared to crowds and multitudes. 
uh, for a period after uh, when he was resurrected before he ascended back into heaven. One of the last things that Jesus said was this great commission. The reason I bring that up is since it was one of the last things he said, it's, it's this thing of, of vital importance. He wants all of us to get that this is at the heart of God's mission uh, for us as his followers. This is his will. And so Jesus said this in Matthew 28, and it sets up in verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I just want to stop there because it's very interesting. The reason that's important to bring up is imagine Jesus being crucified, him being put in the tomb, and then they now see him three days later. He had risen again, and they see him in the days after. This Jesus who had died and now is back alive. So many worshiped him, but some still doubted. And I think the scriptures point that out and use that a part of the story to say, even with what God tells us, even with all that God has done through his son, Jesus, there are some that still won't believe. But this commission is given to those that despite what other people do with Jesus or despite what other people feel, we still have to be on task to keep the main thing, the main thing. And what is it? Well, that's what he says in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the first kingdom prime directive serves as really a frame of a house. Here's a picture of a frame of a house. It's how something is built. Everything kind of attaches to this. It's the way you can build. So the Great Commission is this frame that we're supposed to build our lives on, and it's this frame that we're supposed to build the church on. And what is that frame? Well, the first is this commandment. And the main commandment in this passage is to make disciples. Now, I want to define what a disciple is because it's something that we talk a lot about in a church, but sometimes it's a little bit confusing as to what a disciple means because we don't use it that much in ordinary language these days. But here's a definition of a disciple. A disciple is someone who follows another person or another way of life and who submits himself to the discipline, that's the teaching, of that leader or way. That's the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. So the idea of a disciple is somebody who is following and submits to a different way of life. You become a disciple of Christ when you say, I am going to follow Jesus. Not only am I going to follow him in ideas or in my mind, but I'm going to follow him in the very way that I live my life. My attitudes, my choices, what I give my resources to, what I give my time, my attention, really my energy and all my purpose, I'm going to give to Jesus and his ways. In fact, to be a Christian means that you are a disciple. So at the core of our lives as Christians, we need to be a disciple and then we need to make disciples. Now, how does that work? Well, there's three participles in this passage. So the main command is to make disciples disciples. And then the three participles of this passage are really these three actions of how does that work? Well, the three particles are this, going, baptizing, and teaching. So really, Jesus' commands is as you are going, as you are living your life, you should always be looking to make disciples. Now, I think this is a really important emphasis to talk about. 
Because we live in a time right now where it seems like we're told you should keep your faith or ideas about Jesus to yourself. But actually, that's not in line with Christianity. Christianity is something that we have been given this framework, this commission to, as we are going, to always be looking to share. So what does that mean? Well, as we go about our day, as we interact with people, with coworkers, with neighbors, with friends, and with family, there's a sense in which we're not just looking to just hold Jesus into this church aspect of life where we only talk about Jesus with church people, or we only talk about Jesus in the confines of our home. Actually, as you are going means wherever we find ourselves, there's always opportunity to share the difference that Jesus has made in our life. That is, we speak to the truth that Jesus has given us this new way of living. When people ask why we believe what we believe or how we can see a situation in a certain way, we always want to tie it back to the difference that Jesus has made. So if you're a follower of Christ or you're investigating, this making disciples and as you are going to make disciples is the center of what life should be about. Now, the second part is, is baptizing. So there's this going, making disciples, as you're going to do that. And then baptizing, very interesting. There's actually this command to be baptized. Now, today is actually a wonderful day because we are gonna be celebrating baptism, a part of Ridgeview Church. We have people that are following in line with this great commission. They're deciding that I am going to obey what Jesus has said. Jesus commanded us in this passage to be baptized. Well, why is that significant? Why would Jesus command us to do that? Well, you see, baptism is really this identification where we say, above all, I follow Jesus. Above all, I'm going to do what he says. I'm willing to publicly go forward in my faith and make the statement that Jesus is the leader and the boss of my life. See, when you get baptized, you're stating that you are his disciple. Even if people were to ridicule you, you make that statement like, I am his disciple and I'm going to move forward in this. And so today, as we celebrate with those people getting baptized, this is one of the greatest things that we can come together to do. We cannot stop making disciples as a church and we cannot stop baptizing those who decided to follow him. And so if you're a follower of Christ and you've never been baptized publicly by immersion, I encourage you to do that. That's the great commission that Jesus has given you. And if you're investigating what it means to follow Jesus, know that this is a big part, but you're always going to hit this line where you have to decide, am I going to line up with Jesus in the way that he said to do things? And I encourage all to come to the celebration today as we celebrate this great commission at work, alive and well in our church. So the command, make disciples. That's our first prime directive. As we're going, we need to be doing that. And then we need to be getting baptized. We need to be celebrating with those people who decide to take that step. And then the last participle, the last action is teaching. There's a command to actually teach people to obey all that Jesus has said. And this is actually one of the key emphasis of our church, of our small groups, of our kids' own ministry. We want to teach people in a way, not that they know what Jesus says. We want to teach people in a way that they know what to do with what Jesus says. The focus here is on obeying. That's why we always emphasize next steps. We always want to give people a sense of with what I'm hearing, with what I'm learning, what is it that I need to do? And in this great commission, all of these work together. 
I need to be a disciple of Christ. I need to take a step forward in baptism. And then I need to make sure that I'm learning and always taking next steps. And as I'm relating to people, that I'm helping them take their next steps as well. So that's the first kingdom prime directive, the Great Commission. The church always, always has to keep their eyes focused on this. Well, what's the second one? Well, the second one is just as important, and it is the Great Commandment. So the first, the Great Commission, make disciples. The second, the Great Commandment. And the great commandment is found in in one word. And that one word is love. I want to share another scripture uh, that Jesus uh, shared to actually a group that were trying to set him up. There was a group called the Pharisees who were always followers of the law. You know, you've heard that follow the spirit or follow the law. They wanted to follow the letter of the law to the nth degree. They wanted to make sure that they were in the eyes of everyone watching doing exactly what they were supposed to do. And Jesus butted heads with them a lot because they were emphasizing the wrong things and then kind of doing away with the things that Jesus said was really important. And there was a moment where they were trying to set him up by saying, you know what, Jesus, what do you think is the most important commandment? And they were hoping by what he said that they could find a hole in his argument and say, well, what about this? Are you saying that this is not important? So it's very interesting. They're beginning to set him up. They're testing him. And Jesus knows this. And so they're asking, what? What's the most important thing? And and this is what he says in Matthew 22. And he said to him, this person who was testing him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Verse 38, this is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I love what Jesus did there because they're saying, what's, what's the greatest commandment? What's the one thing? And Jesus knew what they were doing and said, well, I'll give you the one thing. But in the one thing, he actually gave them two. And it is to love God and to love people. That is the great commandment. You see, we are supposed to be making disciples and going after the great commission, but we always have to do that in a certain way. And it needs to be done in love. In a way, these are our, our boundaries. In sports, uh, we have boundaries for how play will be conducted. In, in, in baseball, in soccer, in tennis, there's always lines that you have to say, this, this is in bounds. This is how play will happen. If it's out of bounds, it's a foul. Or if it's out of bounds, we have to stop. You have to stop the progress. And it's actually the same in the church. It's the same in our relationships. As soon as we get outside of love, we are out of bounds. Now, love, again, is something that is sometimes difficult to define in our culture today because love seems like you love somebody if, if you just accept whatever they do. As long as it makes me happy and you agree with that, then you, you love me. But if you disagree with me, that's not love. Well, love is actually not defined that way because like we talked about last week, love and truth always go hand in hand. You see, love without truth is just sentimentality. That actually doesn't help people. But what Jesus is talking about here is that all our behavior should be based on love. In fact, love is the basis of our behavior. Everything that we do, our actions, should be tied towards this love. That's how we stay within the boundaries uh, God has given. Now, love is not a feeling. Again, today, romantic love seems the things that most people look to. It's like something that you fall into or you fall out of. One day you feel like loving somebody, the next day you don't. But it's not based on our feelings. It's actually 
as a Christ follower, it's based on the command that, that Jesus has given. We love God. How do you love God? Well, it's not when you feel it. When you feel like it, it's, it's actually you love God by doing what he says. You love God by obeying his word. And so you love God by spending time in his word, getting to know him. You love God by praying and talking to him. You love God by disciplining yourself, saying no to the things that are not pleasing to him and to say yes to the things that are. Again, we love God by our actions. And the second is just like it, what Jesus says. We, we love people as well by, by how we, we serve and how we sacrifice. Again, it's not the feeling, it's the action. Love should be the basis of our behavior. So some practical things. One way that you wanna, you love people is you just watch out for comparison. It's really easy for us to look at other people and begin to kind of stack up how we are compared to them. And this happens in the church, it happens in family life, it happens in the workplace, it happens in our neighborhoods. It's so easy, we just look at people and we compare. And we either feel better about ourselves or worse. In that, it's easy to get into competition. We wanna one-up each other. It's easy to get into sarcasm or cutting remarks. But when we do this, we actually are not on the emphasis of love. We're, we're leveraging really ourselves or our selfishness. And these are gonna be battles inside of us until the day we die. But with God's help, we can move past the comparison, move past the competition or the cutting, and we could say, God, how can you help me to, to love this person and to extend grace to them? How can I build them up with my words? How can I serve with them with, with needs that they have? You see, this great commission, making disciples, paired with this great commandment of love, this is how the world will change. Everyone wants to be loved. Everyone wants to experience it. But few people are actually willing to sacrifice themselves to give it. But as of the church, as followers of Christ, that is our duty. Because God loved us like that, and he gave his son to sacrifice for us. So when you decide to follow Christ, you now sacrifice in the same way with God's help. So the great commission, make disciples. The great commandment, we do everything that we do in love. Well, what's the third prime directive? Well, it's the great mandate. Now, we've talked in the New Testament, Jesus commands. Now I want to go back to the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, actually at the beginning of creation of man and woman. Here, God gives meaning and purpose, and again, direction to Adam and Eve, the first man and woman who lived. Here's what he says in Genesis 1, verses 27 through 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Here, God gives the establishment in the beginning of the family unit. And so part of the great mandate is for men and women to come together in marriage and to multiply, that is to have kids, to multiply the earth. Now, this is really important when you look in the framework of the other prime directives. You see, as we're making disciples, that really starts, should start as parents in our home. We wanna be making disciples with our children. We wanna be training them up in the ways of the Lord. And we wanna be doing that in love as a family. 
And then if you take a step back and you look at the, the purpose of humans, well, it's to come together in marriage, to commit to, together, male and female, to have kids, and then in that family unit to make disciples in our own household. And so what God is saying is there's this mandate for humans that's given that no other creation is given. It's back to our image that we're made, and we're made in the image of God. There's a meaning and a purpose, and it begins with this family unit. Come together, love me, love each other, have kids, and teach them my ways. And so one of the things that we want to encourage here at Ridgeview Church is we want families to have kids. We live in a time where sometimes you you wonder, should I have kids, should I not have kids? And I know that there's difficulties, and we pray for those who are wanting to get pregnant because we want families to expand. We want families uh, to multiply. This is a mandate and a part of the blessing that God has given. Now, if you're not married yet or you don't have kids and, and you're just finding stuff, well, well, how does this apply to me? Well, if you're wanting to get married, I just encourage you to, to be patient, to wait on God. He is in control. And I know that's easy uh, for, for me to say, but sometimes we find ourselves again in comparison and that can really put struggles and bitterness within us. And so if you're not yet married and that's something that you long to do, at Ridgeview Church, we, we pray for you. We ask that God will provide you a godly spouse who you can team together with. But if that's not happened yet for you, there's still the second part of this mandate, which still applies. And I want to go back to that. So be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And then it says, and then have dominion over the fish. So that idea of have dominion is there's something that God has given to humans in its development. That is, with what he's blessed us with, with the talents he's given us, the gifts he's given us, the strength and the resources. As humans, we've been given a role to manage the earth and to develop it. What that means is that God is not just held in this compartment of of religion or church. In fact, every time we go to work and we do something to expand or we develop and we complete a responsibility, that's part of this great mandate. We are actually developing. And if you look at creation, you know, God gave us trees, but he didn't give us cabinets. But he gave humans this role of how can we take this resource and make it into something. And that pleases God. He didn't didn't give us tires, but he gave us rubber. And so people can take the rubber and make the tires. And you see how development of humans. Now, part of the tragedy is the more we develop and the more that we create, we become in a way like God, and we we think that we can rule like him and exist without him. But the great mandate's giving meaning. God has given us through creation because he made us a tremendous amount of value, tremendous amount of power, tremendous amount of resources. And as we develop and as we expand and as we multiply, God is pleased with that. And so you see how these work together, the great commission to make disciples, the great commandment to do it in love, And the great mandate, let's develop and take dominion over this earth in a way that pleases God. Well, let's get to the fourth one. The fourth kingdom prime directive is this, the great objective. Now check this out in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, back to the New Testament. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Glory again is something that really means to magnify. So whatever you do, 
you magnify, that is you make bigger, you emphasize the glory of God. This actually provides a lot of meaning in life. If you look at the passage, so whatever you do, whether you eat or drink. Now for some of you, if you're foodie type people, eating and drinking might be something that you think about a lot. But it's also representing just this normal daily task that we do that sometimes we don't think much about. And I think Paul here is emphasizing kind of this thing that we do every day, sometimes without much thought, to just show even in that, in the eating and in the drinking, we can glorify God. The picture here is from from big to small. We can magnify God. We can make it about using our energy in a way that, that pleases Him. So for me, what the great objective means is that whatever we do, that there, there can actually be meaning. This actually gives meaning to sometimes the most mundane of tasks. Mowing your lawn. Did you know you can mow your lawn to the glory of God? You can do that in a way that pleases Him. Folding laundry. Okay, now it got real. I don't know, some of you may love laundry and doing it and it just the feeling of completing that task. Others of you, that may be just your worst chore. We all have our worst chore, the thing that we just despise doing. But even in the worst chore, even in those tasks that we just get tired of and it's so easy to sigh, we can, with God's help, do that for his glory. Saying, you know what, God, this doesn't seem like this matters, but when I accomplish this task, even something so small or insignificant, there's meaning. Because I can do this for your glory. I can make this about something that, you know, it pleases you because I'm doing it knowing that I'm handling my responsibility in a way that's right. I'm not letting things go. I'm not giving into laziness or passivity. I'm actually going to handle what you've given me. And this is a part of this golden thread of scripture. Everything that we do for the glory of God. Check out this passage in Revelation, the last book of the Bible. It says in verse 11, you are worthy our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will, they were created and have their being. So whatever happens in life, God is the creator. He's given us our role. He's given us these directives. And so whatever we do, we know for every breath that I have, I can honor God. I can glorify him. Oh, is this such a struggle? There's so many times in my life where I can check out of my relationship with God. I can disconnect from Him and I can just get into frustration. I mean, during these past few months, during COVID, it's been so easy to have been frustrated because I've had so many goals that have been blocked, so many things that haven't gone my way. But in the middle of that, God is still working. God still wants to grow me. He still wants to use me in the world. And this great objective is, you know what, God, no matter what I face, I can do this for your glory. I can make you look good in this situation. Many times we want to make ourselves look good, but really glorifying God is like, God, I want to honor you with what I say, with what I do, the way that I handle myself, and that brings you glory. And so I hope this has been a help. These directives, again, are God's marching orders for us. He's given us the great commission, what we need to focus on, build the framework of our lives in the church on. We need to make disciples. We need to do that with the great commandment. We need to do this in love, sacrificing ourselves for others and obeying God according to what he says in his word. 
We also need to develop and expand team together in families to make a difference in this world. That's the great mandate. And then finally, whatever we do, the great objective, we can glorify God and we can honor him in every task that we have. So I want to encourage you, what's your next step today? How does this help you answer the question, what should I be doing and how should I be doing it? So as you think about that, I want to encourage you with some next steps. Again, not just knowing, but what can we do? So here's some next steps. The first is memorize 1 Corinthians 10.31. That's a verse I just shared a moment ago. That's that idea of whether I eat or whether I drink, I can do it all for the glory of God. That is, God is watching. He's paying attention. And so there's a tremendous amount of meaning to this because I'm playing out my life before God. And so you may just want to memorize that just in the middle of those things where you find yourself frustrated, memorize it. So whether I eat or drink, God, I want to do this for your glory. If you've not memorized that, I encourage you to do that. Take that next step. The second, invite someone to watch our service online or worship at the park. We have our next worship at the park on September 13th. We're skipping a week because of Labor Day, but on the 13th, uh, we're having worship at the park again. So part of that making disciples, oftentimes making a disciple begins with an invitation, begins with a way that you extend your life and you bridge to someone else's life. So just look around. Who are you connected to right now? And how can you begin to bridge into their life? And one of the best ways you can do that is invite, invite and invite. And so think through the person and then think through the invitation. I encourage you to do that. And then the last next step, this is like open-ended. This is what is God speaking to you? I believe God speaks. I believe there might be some things that he's telling you today to focus on. And so this last one is, I need to engage with Ridgeview by. So these are the directions that have been given to my life. These are the directions that's been given to this church. So what does this mean that I need to do? Well, how do these four prime directives, like how are they speaking to you? So I just encourage you right now on the chat as we're closing out this service, if you're watching with us right at 10, just take a moment. What is your sense that you need to do? Ask God uh, to speak to you. And so I'm actually gonna pray right now that, that God will do that as we begin to wrap up our service. We're so glad that you're here uh, to worship with us today. I hope uh, at one o'clock today, you can join us for baptism so we can get together in person and to celebrate us living out these prime directives together. Let's pray. God, like I just said, we, we really believe that you do speak to us. Your word, as it is spoken, it, it does penetrate our hearts. It shows us who we are and what we need to do. And so I just ask that you'll speak to each of us right now. You've given us these marching orders, these directives that we can guide our life by. And so, God, I ask that you'll just show us what is it that we need to do? Is there something that we need to do differently? Is there something that we need to focus on that we're not currently? God, show us. Will you speak to us right now? God, thank you for our church, the fact that we can team together to accomplish your will. And God, thank you for your word, which reminds us of these prime directives that we can build our life on. God, we want our lives to count and we want to make a difference in our church. God, will you help us to make the main things the main things? We ask for your help and your focus. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.